G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. Our church used to run a series of special services over Easter. And on this particular occasion, I walked in and there she was. She was 16. I was 17. And then I suddenly realized who it was. And from that moment on, I knew she would be the one who would fill my life with great joy. And she's done that all of these years. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, you may have seen Bill Forward and his wife, Glad, featured on the 60 Minutes TV program in a segment called For Better or Worse. Bill and Glad have been married over 50 years, and Glad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2004. Since that time, Bill has gladly been taking care of his sweetheart and even had a special bike made so they can still go for rides in the park together. A wonderful story of a lifelong love affair. But how did it all start and what are some of the adventures they've gone on as missionaries to India and several other countries? We'll find out about that and more as Bill Forward shares their story as a couple. Bill is chatting with Eric Scatterbo. Bill Forward, welcome to the program. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure, Eric. Glad to have you with us, and you're joining us from the Sunshine Coast, is that right? Yes, yes, in lovely Bundaram. It's a, a beautiful place, Maruchidor, Caloundra, mm-hmm. all these places are lovely. We're actually living now in Maruchidor. Okay, and for going on bike rides on that special bike, that sounds like a perfect place. Ah, absolutely great, because we've got uh, wonderful esplanades and flat places to go. Mm-hmm. It's easier to ride. I used to have a, an ordinary bike, but I got lazy. Now I have an electric bike. Oh, okay. And so it's, it's great. It's absolutely lovely. Yes. And the special bike has Glad sitting in front of you. Is that right? That's true. Yes. That's how I wanted it because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, with her Alzheimer's, I'm never quite sure what's going on. I need to see her. I mm-hmm. need to know that she's okay. And so initially, I was able to point things out to her. But as the Alzheimer's has progressed, she no longer can't see. It's a problem that she can't see, but I can describe things to her. Mm-hmm. We're going here. We're going there. This is what I can see. And so Glad enjoys these bike rides. Well, she certainly used to very much so, so much so that when she'd go past people, she'd do the royal wave. And if, <laughs> uh, if you see the, uh, the videos, you'll see that she's got a little tiara on her helmet. Oh, My yeah. daughter gave it to her. And of course, uh, it was because she was doing the royal wave and uh, calling out to people, Yahoo, <laughs> if, they, if they didn't notice her. Yeah. No, it's lovely. Wow, that's really great. Is. Having a good time, a lifelong love affair, over 50 years married. Let's find out how it all started. Where were you born and raised? Well, funnily enough, I was born in a little town near Bundaberg called Bigenden. My mm-hmm. father and mother were share farmers on a dairy farm, mm-hmm. and my older brother and I were both born in Bigenden, but we had an even older brother who unfortunately was really ill. He Mm -hmm. had uh, uh, a problem from birth 
and eventually we had to leave and go back to Brisbane because he needed specialist care. And that was more or less the dictator of what our family was able to do in the next number of years. That oldest brother died when he was 13. He was Mm. five years older than I. So uh, for those 13 years, his condition, his needs were what drove our family, what dictated what we could and couldn't do. For example, uh, uh, my first memory is of an air raid siren, strangely enough. And my mother had said, if you hear that sound of a siren running underneath the old Queenslander in which we lived, and there you'll be safe. And we all ran when we heard that siren. Now, I was only three, three and a half or Mm. something like that, but I still have that thought in my mind. But then later on, we went off to live on a a farm. My parents were actually interested more in farming and they were share farming in a place uh, not far from the Somerset Dam. Mm. And uh, they were there for only 12 months or so. Uh, That was a problem for the rest of us because of my older brother's needs. But it was fun because Mm. on a farm, children on a farm have so much fun. Yeah, it sounds that way. Going to school was always fun because yeah, we had wanna, to ride I a horse. I want to hear about that. You used to ride a <laughs> horse to school? Yes, we did. Well, we had two horses, actually. We didn't have any saddles. We threw just a blanket over the back of the horse. And my oldest brother, the one who was ill, he had a horse to himself, whereas I and my second brother, we were on the second horse. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Although one day they wanted to have a bit of a race. And uh, as they were (laughs) racing along the road, I had nothing to hang on to except my brother's belt sort of thing. and, And I fell off. (laughs) <laughs> on the way oh, to no. school. You're okay? Yes. Yeah, I was okay, although I pretend, well, I, I reckon I must have been hurt somewhere. And <laughs> so I showed the teacher that I had a, uh, something wrong with my teeth. I was trying to get out of doing any work, I think. So <laughs> my brother said, no, nah, that didn't happen on this uh, when he fell off. He's had that for three or four weeks now, whatever <laughs> I had. But catching the horse after school was the fun because mm-hmm. the horses sort of knew and we were only kids, so they wouldn't really respond too well to young kids trying to catch them. Oh, wow. Just to get home, you had to catch your yeah, horse Yeah, to again. get home again. Yes. Yeah, so they had a horse paddock at the school. It was a very small school. I mean, again, it's quite funny. Uh, I used to think that I was a very clever boy because when I got my school report, I was number one in the class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet my older brother, being who he was, says, yeah, but you were the only one in that class. There was only <laughs> 25 kids in the whole school. Kind of so, burst your uh, bubble. Yeah, it certainly did. But I've still got that report card which says I was number one. The part I don't like is where it says uh, number of uh, students in that grade, one. Hey, number one is number one. We'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) So 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 what was was Glad's childhood like? Well, her childhood was difficult because her father died when she was just four. Mm. Her mother had six children. And so as a widow with six little children, it was really, really difficult for Mm. her. In the end, um, can I say that to support the family, it was so, so difficult. Raising the family was very difficult. And her mother ended up coming to a children's home to be the laundress in that children's home but the children ended up in the home, uh, this uh, children's home, and it really, in a sense, tore the family apart in a way. Hmm. 
they were no longer a unit. They were now separated, the girls from the boys, the boys from the girls, mm. and their mother was really no longer the influencer in their lives as they wanted. And for Glad, it was really difficult. There's no doubt about it. Those years when she was in that home were not happy years for her. But again, it's uh, where I guess I met her. She was in that home when I met her. Mm-hmm. And you grew up in a Christian home, is that right? Yes, I did. My mum and dad were lovely Christians. They were simple people. They'd come up from Tasmania to Queensland. They married here in Queensland, but uh, they were simple people. My dad only went to year seven at school. My mum, pretty much the same. Those years were difficult, and and I personally was born in the middle of the World War II, and, and so life was really, really difficult. Again, because of our older brother, things were difficult, but my father and mother were wonderful Christians. My mother would gather us as children around her in the evening, tell us Bible stories, and pray with us and put us to bed with a prayer. It was always lovely. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always known the gospel from day one, actually. Mm-hmm. Every every part of it. Our, my father was a kind of a lay preacher when we were on the farm. He would go to a, a local Methodist church, and they didn't have a regular pastor, so he would uh, take the services, and uh, we were all blessed to have that. I just thank God for my heritage mm-hmm. within the family. As for Glad, her mum was a widow with all of these difficulties, but in the home at least she was there learning about the gospel, and we both ended up in the same church. She grew up in that same church uh, as I did. Her brother was my best friend, and mm-hmm. I guess I looked behind him and there was this little girl following him and me around, and it was glad, of course, but at that time she was the pesty little sister who was always there. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. it wasn't like love at first sight. She was just the pesky younger sister that was no, kind of bothering well, you guys. Well, that's right. Yeah, she, yeah, interfering in some of the fun that we wanted to have or wanting to be part of the fun that we wanted to have. Uh-huh. But no, uh, that's her background really. But she did hear the gospel. She grew up in the same church as I grew up. We mm-hmm. uh, all went to sun- the same Sunday school. We both went to different what they call youth programs called Boys Rally, Girls Rally, which was a little bit like scouts or guides. And uh, we both went to those. And then eventually we both became leaders in that group, in those units. We both became Sunday school teachers independently of each other, but both of us did exactly the same thing. So that really is where our foundation in terms of Christianity or becoming a believers Funnily enough, I like to call myself a follower of Jesus. Uh, I've lived in a land now where to be a Christian is not necessarily understood as I we would normally think about it here in Australia. So I, I say that both Glad and I became followers of Jesus and in that circumstance when we were going to that same church together. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is chatting with Bill Forward, who's sharing his and his wife Glad's story. Glad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2004. We just found out how they met and became Christians. Next, we'll hear some of the challenges they faced before they were married. All that and more is coming up when we return. The Story.
If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is Bill Forward, who, along with his wife, Glad, were featured on the 60 Minutes TV program in a segment called For Better or Worse. He's sharing their story as a couple and how the Lord led them to become missionaries in India. Now, here's more of Bill chatting with Eric Scadabo. Okay, and for you personally, Bill, from a young age, you were interested in becoming a missionary. How did that come about? I guess the church was interested in missionaries, and they often had visiting missionaries come and go. And there was one particular day when one of the members of the church was being commissioned to become a home missionary by going out to the outback of Queensland and preach the gospel. And when I saw that, I came home and said to my grandparents, when I grow up, I'm going to be a missionary. Now, I was only eight and a half or around about that Oh, age wow. at that time. Yeah, very but young. There was my very first interest in that, but I'd never forgotten it. But uh, as I grew on a, a little later, always understanding that I was a follower of Jesus, I came to a critical time in my life where the Holy Spirit said to me, I believe, and wouldn't let me go for three weeks until I finally surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. I knew that he had died for my sins. I knew that he'd risen again. I knew he is the Son of God. I knew he came as the Savior of the world. But the Holy Spirit was confronting me with the fact of the Lordship of Christ. And for three miserable weeks, I kept saying to the Holy Spirit, but I am a follower of Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus. But until I knelt and yielded to Jesus, I never could find any more peace. And once I did that, then life took on a whole new meaning for me. And so definitely I became a very committed Christian, still thinking when I grow up, I'm going to be a missionary. So I was really interested in Bible study. I had a wonderful Mm -hmm. Sunday school teacher who taught us in such an interesting way that I was fascinated by the Bible. So I studied the Bible even as a child very carefully. Then came an awful incident where I was at a youth camp. I was probably 14 or thereabouts at Mm -hmm. the time. And and as a teenager, I was quite, well, you know what teenagers are like. Be honest about it. We we went down to a place called Fingal. My mum was the cook at at the youth camp. And so as a family, we would go down with her. And on this particular occasion, the whole group went down to Fingal. In those days, there were quite large sand hills. And I'm a very competitive person. And so I got another friend of mine to begin digging a cave into the side of the sand hill and, mm-hmm. and challenged others. You, you beat us. We can get a bigger, better cave than yours. And, and, of course, they did. They started. We started. And we got to such a point in that instant where I said we can't get any more sand out. So I actually foolishly went right inside the cave Mm, and started pushing sand out to my friend who then dragged it out. And then as a little child ran across the top of the sand hill, it all fell in on top of me. I was absolutely helplessly 
covered in sand. I mm. could not breathe. I could not move my little fingers. It was tons of sand on me. Oh, and wow. in that moment, I cried out, oh, God, if you save me from this, I will devote my life to you. I've never forgotten that. Well, mm. what happened was that the, my friend quickly called other leaders. They came and they scrambled and scrambled. They found my face. I still couldn't breathe because the weight of the sand was so strong. Mm. And uh, eventually, of course, they got me out. But I've never forgotten. That's a vow I made to God. I would serve him for the rest of my life. All these years later, I still remember it. I still hold to that vow. My life belongs to God. He saved my life. And I've given my life totally to him. And Glad was on those camps as well? She was, but in that case, she was just a little pesty sister still. <laughs> well, let's talk about the time that you saw her truly for the uh, first time. Let's uh, talk uh, about uh, that. Uh, 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 so we went to the same school. We went mm-hmm. to the same church. We went, and she was always there. And somewhere, somehow, she just didn't seem, well, she was just a little sister. Mm-hmm. I know she'll tell you now that she used to keep her eye on me when I was playing footy or cricket or whatever. And I might have been conscious of it, but again, I wasn't interested. But our church used to run a series of special services over Easter, and they'd bring in some good speakers from different places. And on this particular occasion, I walked in, and there she was in an aqua A-line dress. She was 16, I was 17, and when I saw her, I don't... Who is, and then I suddenly realized who it was, and from that moment on, she was mine. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I knew she would be the one who would fill my life with great joy, and she's done that all of these years. So I fell in love with her. When I, I know the dress is just the dress, but I can still t- <laughs> see her now as this lovely 16 year old girl with this A line dress, and it was aqua. It was just something special. And, yeah, no, I fell in love with her there. And you've been a couple ever since? Ever since, ever since. Um, Yes, I mean, it wasn't always easy. Uh, She worked for the Bible Society. Mm -hmm. She was a stenographer, a a shorthand typist. She was a secretary for the Bible Society. I worked for the Brisbane City Council in their office. We could meet sometimes at lunchtime because she was in George Street and I was in Adelaide Street. So we would meet in Brisbane sometimes and have our lunch together. But the most important thing that we began to do together was to attend some evening Bible teaching sessions Mm -hmm. in the Bible house. They had a room above the Bible house where they called it, and uh, there were some Bible studies there conducted by a very good friend, uh, in fact, my uh, original Sunday school teacher, and she and I then studied the scriptures there together, and that was something really special for us. But later on, I got called into the military, and I had to go and do my national service. In those oh, so days, you were separated. We were, mm-hmm. but only for a limited period in the sense it was 14 weeks of full-time study, and I couldn't see her at all in that period. Uh, after that, I'd done my 14 weeks, then I was supposed to do three years of what they called CMF, Citizens Military Force, basically a reserve where we did one Mm -hmm. night a week, one weekend a month and one month a year, continuing our kind of training. And it was, you know, the military was tough, but it was something that I thought 
Well, if I can be a soldier for our country, I also need to be willing to be a soldier for Jesus. So it was a testing time for me to, you know, to stand firm in my testimony uh, in the middle of that. There's only eight of us that actually openly declared that we were followers of Jesus among mm. the whole battalion. So it was a testing time. But for mm. me, it was a very important time because I improved myself physically, but also I was able to stand firm for the Lord in the midst of those circumstances. But glad, of course, she was there. And by this time, we were regularly chatting together, meeting together. When I would see her, I would ride my bicycle out to where she was at the children's home on a Saturday afternoon, and we would just sit together for about an hour, and that was the, really the only time that we, mm. we spent together. Uh, life was very difficult and different in those days. And you had another brush with death. In the military, yes. Mm. Uh, our battalion uh, was part of what was called the Morton Regiment, and we were to be given the keys to the city of Brisbane. We were to march through the city with our rifles, and at the city hall, we would be given the keys as a battalion. And after it was all over, we got back into the trucks that had brought us in from Greenbank, where the uh, army base was at the time for that kind of work. And on our way back, the driver of the truck decided to be smart. Now, he had been in the, in the hotel. He was drunk, actually, mm. and so was the sergeant with him. And he began to swerve the truck just to throw us around in the back. Mm. Uh, for him, it was fun until he lost control of the truck and he rolled it over. Mm. And uh, rolling it over, one of the young lads that was beside me fell out through the the back or the side of it and was squashed underneath the truck and died. Mm. I myself, I was smashed in the face to the point where I, when I got out of the truck, finally, I was blind. I couldn't see. Mm. My older brother, David, was also there in that same truck and he got some injury, but he began calling out my name. Bill, where are you? Bill, where are you? Are you there, Bill? Are you okay, Bill? And I heard his voice and I called back to him. I'm not okay. I can't see. Well, stay right where you are. And he came and, and, and grabbed me and took me to a tree and said, stand by that tree until I come back for you. I need to see if I can help anybody else. Well, long and the short of that is that I got a smashed face, uh, mm. but uh, my sight did come back. But again, I just thank God that I was spared because it was very dangerous. I mean, that. Yeah. The lad that died, he lived just up the road from where we did. And I know that my brother David and my mother went up to that family to try and bring some comfort to them, saying that we too had been in the truck, but we were so sad about that boy who had died. And Yeah, what happened when Glad came to visit you in the hospital? <laughs> well, actually... She got to hear that an accident had happened, and it wasn't in the hospital she came to me, first of all. She got her brother, my friend, the one that I'd been with all these mm -hmm. years, the yeah. one that we, my good mate, he drove her out in his little car, and she walked straight past me because she didn't recognize right me. Wow. <laughs> she did. Uh, my face was so swollen. and The I love of so your life walked right past you. <laughs> <laughs> right past it. And until I called her name, she turned around and as soon as she turned around, she just burst into a oh. flood of tears mm. to see me the way I was. And of course, that touched my heart to realize how much she really did care for me. Mm. Yeah, and she visited <laughs> you regularly after that. She did. She came every single day I was in the hospital when they were putting my face back together again. 
Yes, she did. So bravely. I mean, just imagine, you wouldn't expect a young girl to come all the way from the city on a tram at that time of night and mm. then come and see me and then go back on a tram to catch a bus to go back to her place. Uh, it, it, she was an amazingly brave and yet God must, uh, well, I, I did ask the Lord to keep her safe. Mm-hmm. And your doctor told you not to follow your nose? Something like that? <laughs> what was that about? Well, because my nose, in, in that smashing of my face, my nose was completely broken and the direction of my my nose was pointing away from where it should be. Normally, <laughs> instead of being in the middle of my... And with the break, that's what he, he sort of joked when he saw me. Uh, I wasn't up to jokes at the time, but he was. Yeah. And he said, if you follow your nose... <laughs> Do you normally go around in circles? I said, no. <laughs> so I, he said, oh, then we're going to straighten it up for you and make sure that you can follow your nose and you go where you need to go. Yeah. Oh, boy. But I, in my mind, day. I'm just picturing poor Glad. I mean, she couldn't even recognize you. No, she didn't. She went straight past me. Yeah. I mean, it must have been awful because I was yeah. so swollen and bruised. Yeah. and yeah. yeah, Yeah. But anyhow, by God's grace, everything has gone well. Well, that was part one of Bill Forward sharing the wonderful lifelong journey he's been on with his wife, Glad. There are several more parts to come as they've had many adventures as missionaries in India and several other countries. We invite you to join us again next time as we hear how God leads them to India. That's all coming up next time. And it's great to hear how their love affair started at a young age and how it continues today as Bill lovingly takes care of Glad, who now has Alzheimer's disease. Bill's selfless care for Glad reminds me of the Greek word agape. Agape is one of several Greek words used for love, but it specifically refers to a type of love that is pure and sacrificial, a love that intentionally desires another's highest good. It is what Bill is showing to Glad every day as he cares for her. And it's what our Heavenly Father showed to us when he sacrificed his one and only Son, that whoever believes in Jesus will have everlasting life. God's love for us is pure and sacrificial, and he desires our highest good, which is to be with him forever in heaven. Well, if you'd like to pray with someone about how you can experience God's love, you can call our prayer line at 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. We'd love to pray for you on that number. Once again, 1-800-772-936. Well, until next time, when we'll hear part two of Bill and Glad's remarkable story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. God had given us a little girl earlier. She was lovely. But now he's taken from us this lovely little boy, beautiful child. That was the biggest challenge. I can tell you it was so, so difficult. I went outside and I sat on the side of a well when I sat on the side of the well, I shook my fist in the face of God and said, why? Why? What have we done? Why, why have you taken this child from us? Bill Forward joins us once again to share more of his and his wife Glad's story as a couple. We've heard how their love story began. Next, we'll hear how the Lord leads them to become missionaries in India and about some of the challenges they've faced. It's all coming up next time. The Story. The story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily.
for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.